Going Linux, episode 356, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinks at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hello, Bill. Hello, Larry. How are you today? Uh, wonderful, busy, but uneventful week. Nothing, uh, hmm. nothing out of the ordinary, just, uh, you know, another week at work. <laughs> yeah, not for me so much, but okay. <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> moving on. By the way, uh, daylight savings time sucks. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the lack thereof, I should say. Uh. Yes, as as we are recording this, we have just changed the time, and yeah, it's uh, no matter which way you change the clock or when you change them during the year, it's always a pain, and we're experiencing that pain right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, yeah. Larry. So let's jump into these emails. <laughs> yeah, let's jump right in. Um, our first one is from Mike who writes us about Windows and Edge integration. Uh, Mike writes, listening to episode 352, the question came up as to how Microsoft got in trouble a few years back by bundling IE with the Windows operating system. Technically, they did not get in trouble for bundling IE, but that they were not only bundling it, but also made it the only option not allowing the user to change to other competing browsers. Microsoft can bundle software in the operating system, but must allow the user to opt out and use other browsers, email clients, etc., if they wish to do so. Thank you for a great podcast. I have used Linux almost exclusively for a number of years, bouncing between a couple of different distributions. Though Debian is my fallback go-to distro, I do use Windows, unfortunately, for certain software which is not available under Linux, such as Remote Ham's Client and Kenwood's proprietary control software for the rig I use. Getting the feeling that this guy is a ham radio operator? Um, sure wish I could abandon Windows completely, but alas, alack, 73D Mike. WB5VQX. There we go. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, That's, Mike. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I've heard that the uh, Kenwood uh, software is very finicky for anything but <laughs> Windows. So, yeah, most of these uh, newer rigs, you have to use uh, software on your computer to program them. So, yeah. <laughs> if you want to use it, you got to use uh, Windows. But, uh they're making progress, I guess. Okay. So our next email is from Michael uh, about Linux on USB. He writes, Hi, Larry and Bill. I may have resolved my problem of creating a bootable USB with Linux on it. 
I went to pen drive links to see if I could create a bootable Linux on USB and went to a link to create the Ubuntu Linux USB. Going through the link, I came across Universal USB or something while reading the guide to create a Ubuntu USB. I downloaded the Universal USB, put a USB stick in, in one of my USB ports on my laptop, went into the Universal USB. It came up with the usual message about Windows 10 comes up with as regards to installing program. I was about to Alt-Tab to the program because although it came up with a screen for going through the steps for creating a USB, I couldn't read the dialogues. However, after using Alt-Tab to focus on the program, I was able to see the control for selecting which Linux distro I wanted to create to USB. There were all the features of UNetbootin, but I was able to choose Ubuntu Mate from the combo box. Chose to copy ISO and, and could then browse to my list of ISOs in my downloads folder, which I think they there was only one and was finally able to solve my problem of copying Ubuntu Mate onto a USB stick. All the best to both of you. Michael from Meltham, England. Thanks, Mike. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I haven't heard of US, uh, Universal USB. Have you, Larry? Yeah, I've seen it on the referenced on the Pendrive Linux site. I've never used it. I've used some of the other tools that Michael mentions in his um, email, and they all work basically the same. But since Michael's a blind user of Linux, oh, uh, yeah, a blind right. computer user, uh, some of these programs don't... Um, don't behave all that well. And when he says he couldn't read something, he's talking about the fact that the uh, screen reader didn't read it to him, so he couldn't tell where he was in the application. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm glad that Universal USB is something that uh, gives you what you need. And it's a, ch a bit of a challenge to find uh, the right uh, the right program in some cases uh, and that that supports what you need from an accessibility perspective and, you know, finding the right uh, Linux distribution with those accessibility options built in and enabled by default is, is a challenge as well as we've talked about in the past. And Ubuntu Mate is one of those that does a really good job of that. They're not perfect, but uh, they do a good job. And um, there are, there are a couple others out there, but of course we recommend Ubuntu Mate. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, our next email is from Katya, who said, thanks. Um, also said, hello, I was suggested to try Linux because of the insecurity of my old laptop. So I took, I looked you up in the podcast app and listened to your episode on my way to the city. It was an interesting discussion about Windows, and I needed no more than 30 minutes, the duration of the trip, to be convinced that Windows was indeed awful. I just purchased a MacBook Air. Thanks for explaining how bad Windows is. Katja. P.S. I'm not serious. I was just a little annoyed that the episode you made was only about Windows. I am quite a happy Windows user, a happy Mac OS user, and sometimes I like to use Linux. I am not really interested in a podcast about Windows, but thank you kindly for all the other episodes you made. They're very pleasant and interesting to listen to while commuting. Well, Katja, uh, thanks for the thanks, even though it's a bit tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so the, the episode was not so much about Windows. I guess it was a little Windows bashing, 
But that was the point. It's It was about why someone might want to switch from Windows to Linux and what's in store for them when they do that. And depending on which of the two episodes we focused on that, you listen to, there's another one in store for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a little tongue, tongue-in-cheek. That was kind of funny. Yep. There you go. Our next email comes from Daniel, and, and it's about getting to the top panel. And just as a reference again, Daniel is another of our blind or visually impaired listeners. He writes, I am running Ubuntu Mate 2018.04.1. I could not go to the top panel with Control-Alt-Shift-Tab. In an article I read, that one could use Mate, Tweak, and choose what layout one wants. When I ran Mate Tweak, there were checkboxes for the desktop panel, but I did not find a way to move to the other panel choices. Is there something I am failing to do? I know that using Alt-F1 will get me to the list of the applications. I want to go to the top bar to read notifications or to get my status on wireless when needed. Okay, so... Two questions in there. The yes. first one is how to get to the top panel. And it's easy to get to the menu on Ubuntu Mate. You just tap the uh, super key or Windows key or command key, depending on which kind of keyboard you have. Uh, and that all, all three of those are the same key, by the way. Um, <laughs> so you just tap that and the menu opens up. But how, using keyboard shortcuts, since as a blind user you can't see where the mouse is pointing, how do you yeah. click the notification area or the clock? Uh, how, do you, how do you change focus to that? And although I, in my research I found some uh, bug reports from 2016 identifying that this is a problem, I haven't been able to find that either the Mate team or the Ubuntu Mate team have sound, found a solution to that problem. So if there is a keyboard shortcut that allows someone to focus from anywhere else on the desktop in Mate uh, to the notification area, let us know what that shortcut is, because I don't know what it is. And similarly, Ubuntu Mate Tweak, or rather Mate Tweak, uh, when I open that up, Normally, you can, in, in these kinds of applications, you can use the arrow keys to move between fields and functions and or the tab key in combination with the shift key. Uh, and that doesn't seem to work. I, when I open a uh, Mate Tweak, um, I can arrow up, down, sideways, any way I want to, and nothing happens. I can move the mouse and click, of course. But that is useless. Um, hmm. So uh, I don't know whether that's a Mate problem, an Ubuntu Mate problem. I suspect that it's a, a problem with Mate Tweak. Uh, and I think that Mate Tweak is uh, certainly Mate, the project for the desktop itself, is something that Martin Wimpress, uh, who is the creator of Ubuntu Mate, is involved in helping the Mate team to improve things. Uh, I'm hoping that perhaps he or one of our listeners can provide some guidance around that. Is it a problem? Is it something that's being addressed? Again, I haven't been able to find any postings on that or a solution to the problem. So unfortunately, Daniel, we 
can't help you out, but maybe someone in our listening audience can. Yeah, probably someone out there can uh, figure it out. I am of no help because I'm running Linux Mint. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. But um, one of our listeners should be able to help him. Absolutely. And one other thing you mentioned, Daniel, uh, which was uh, using Control-Alt-Shift-Tab to go to the top panel. That works in Ubuntu using GNOME. It's a, it's a feature of the GNOME desktop. And since Ubuntu Mate is using the Mate desktop, that doesn't work. It'd be nice if it did. I'd, um, maybe we can make that somehow function for you. Uh, but I'm not sure how to make that work. Anyway, let's let's see if any of our listeners can can help out here. Thanks, yes. Daniel. Thanks, Dan. Our next email is from Mike S., a different Mike. And this is a bit long, so we've divided up into two sections. Uh, I'll take the first one. Thank you for episode 352 and looking forward to part two. Also, my tip for no nukes solution. I am new to Linux as of last January when I had purchased a Raspberry Pi 3B. I was thrilled when I had downloaded Raspbian for the OS and soon found my way to the world of open source Linux, falling down the rabbit hole, enjoying all there was to explore. There was a community of people working together on a project so vast I could hardly believe it. I soon searched for podcasts that covered Linux, subscribed to all that I could find as to listen at work. At first, it seemed so foreign with the lingo, with little explanation, and thought I could see how someone could shy away. I still struggle at times as to feel outside of the group, but there are resources online with people who put in the effort to answer questions. In high school, I got my first computer, a Commodore 64. Later, an Amiga. It feels like those days again of BBS's public domain software and users group meetings. The Amiga died in the mid-1990s, and I had to go to Windows, leading to a frustration with the OS being so bad, poor hardware, and compatibility issues, I also lost my interest in computers. I had no idea that Linux was as capable as it is. My only experience with it was a mainframe in the mid-80s from college, where there was a waiting list with a reservation sign-up sheet. If I remember right, the command to print was spool to a printer in another part of the building and needing to move quickly to get the printout before it got buried under everyone else who was doing the same or worse as it happens <laughs> that yours would get taken with a stack by someone else. It has been about eight months from my reacquaintance, and with how much computing can be a joy with no tricks, unstoppable updates, slow bloated loading times, and the fear of virus attacks, I soon set out to load every old laptop with Linux left behind by my children who moved out that had crashed with Windows, so broken software-wise that they got shelved. Literally, they were, they were dead to me, and now work unexpectedly well with a new life, thanks to Fedora and Mint. I have converted my kids to Mint, as it can be quite user-friendly. In the past six weeks, I decided to convert my business to Linux only because of fighting and losing to Windows 10 forced update a year back or so. My system was an inexpensive retail giant laptop that simply could not handle it. 
slowing productivity with surprise updates and just running 100% on the CPU with no operations beginning to run. I became so enraged with Windows, words just failed me. I spent hours on Linux sites taking notes, learning how to build a system that would suit my business needs. The system that replaced Windows was a Lenovo S30E5 with 16GB of DDR3 RAM and a 3TB mechanical drive. I purchased it from eBay, then added a 250GB SSD for the OS and an NVIDIA GXT750 Ti. In total, the system was well under $400. Wow. Yeah. pretty good. And so continuing his email, at the first boot, it loaded completely in 10 seconds, including password entry to a fully ready-to-use GUI, but I didn't include BIOS ready time. At first, I thought it was a load screen because there was no way it could be ready, and I am still so blown away by it after a month. The only thing that I had to change was to go to a cloud-based business accounting software site that turns out it allows me to use all six of my Linux laptops and towers as access points on the road, and my office manager can now work from home. I had the same version of QuickBooks for 12 years, then got a new laptop in 2015 where Windows X broke it beyond use. I tried Wine with no success. So far, no regrets or looking back aside over the stir over Linus and the community discourse. At first, it seemed to be a competitive, somewhat friendly rivalry between users, but as of late, my enthusiasm has been given a reality check. There seems to be some things that strikes me odd with criticizing the views and work of people from other distros that are not of one's own preferred one. I understand that the quality is important. It takes a diverse group to produce a selection that Linux users can pick and choose to explore to find one's needs met. Furthermore, as a business owner, I find that behavior of some and not just Linus to be less appetizing as I journey into the Linux world. I realize Linux started out in the flavor of what users users groups were for me, informal and not so structured, allowing some rough interactions to naturally happen. The news of Linus taking time off has brought some interesting conversations and unfortunately politics and social behaviors to the surface that I originally found not happening so much in the Linux landscape that was appealing to me. Thank you for episode 352 and looking forward to part two as it covers how to convert from Microsoft to Linux and small business use. There is not very much on the business side for Linux online. Most conversations cover gaming and distro hopping. There are good topics as people push hardware and software while paving the way for better uses, making the experience better. Here, as a tip for not nuking your drive and keeping Windows just in case, I went to a big chain retailer, not to name names, but but ROMs with fall apart to get a USB 500 gigabyte hard drive and, cr- and cracked it out of the case. I live in a rural area 
and don't have time to wait for online orders, then replaced it with one of my laptops putting the Windows drive in storage so if I ever have to moment of all oh, no, then it can be reinstalled physically as my company laptop is a few years old. It is hard to be sure all files I may need got backed up. Thank you again, Mike. So, hey, thanks for the uh, email, Mike. And um, yeah, I think Linus took a couple months off. And um, just so uh, <laughs> you understand, Linus is from Finland. And they kind of just tell it like it is. And that's just kind of their culture. He comes across as uh, uh, kind of brusque and short. But he's so passionate about maintaining that kernel. That's all he does um, that he uh, doesn't, he gets a little bit upset when people submit uh, bad code to him and he can get a little cranky uh, to say the least. Yeah. Cranky. Hmm. Okay. That's one way to put it. Uh <laughs> but he's a nice guy. Everybody that's ever talked, has ever met him say he's soft-spoken and uh, very easy to talk to but he is he's blunt and, he, and you always know where you stand with him yeah and you know as far as the community is concerned uh from what i hear about other communities um what i hear about the the apple community and have experienced in the Windows community, there are those kinds of people in those communities as well. And I think to some degree in the Linux community, because it is open source, people are much more free to um, express their ideas. And some don't do that in a very polite way, let's say. And they're also free to disagree with everything that everybody says and go off and create their own, whatever it is they're arguing about. And they do oftentimes. And then you end up with a situation where, unfortunately, they start bashing other things. And and here we tend not to try to bash any other Linux distribution. Perhaps we bash Windows and Mac every once in a while, but... You know, that's uh, that's a whole other thing. Uh, we're not bashing them because they are inherently bad people, but because, you know, especially in the case of Windows, it's not the best operating system to use if you want to be safe and you want to have control over what you want to do. Um, you know, the Apple operating system is not quite as bad from the safety perspective, but still is even more locked down than the Windows operating system. So, you know, and I think that if we had simply read um, the email from Mike S., rather than um, providing two episodes on the switch from Windows to Linux, uh, we probably wouldn't have gotten as much criticism. Not that we got a lot uh, about bashing Windows, but um, yeah, it's you can hear from from Mike's um, from from Mike's experience that. Uh, there are some issues with Windows, and he's experienced a lot of them. <laughs> and it's good to know that that Linux has helped him to move over to an operating system that's dependable, that has what he needs, and that he can run his business on it. And um, Bill, I think you know we could focus one of our episodes on what's available for running your business on Linux. I think I like that idea. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think that might be a good idea. Um, I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got some ideas there. That that's that's Larry's way of telling me that I need to uh, start looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've already started looking, and I think we touched on this a while back. Uh, Troy, one of our listeners, had provided some some software that he uses and puts on Linux laptops that he sells as part of his business, but he also from what I understand, uses Linux to run his business, computer repair and uh, computer, um, yeah, computer repair business. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think we've got lots of material, that's for sure. And different kinds of businesses. Maybe we can highlight, uh, you know, if you have computer repair business, here's something you want to look at. If you are a uh, podcast producer, we certainly have lots of ideas there. If you're running a retail store, uh, if you are... Um, uh, running a radio station, we've had some experience with some of that software. So, yeah, it's. Um, I think we've got lots of things to talk about there. Sounds like a plan. Okay, our next email is from Nathan, and he writes a minion for your open SUSE question. Well, in advance, thanks, Nate. Uh, <laughs> greetings. I've been listening to your show for a couple of years now. I won't promise that I am on top of every show release, but I do get caught up eventually. <laughs> like most people, that's the way they listen. Yep. Yep. In the absolute most kindest and gentlest possible way. Brace yourself, Bill. I can relay uh -oh. this. Sometimes I feel like little bits of information that might be slightly off on things that I do not want to sharpshoot because people that do so are annoying and irritating, so I won't. Okay, well, thanks. That's the end of his... Ma <laughs> no. <laughs> uh -oh. No. So Nate's bringing to our attention something we got wrong, and that's fine. We do get things wrong, and we appreciate our listening audience no, actually, correcting us. Larry doesn't get anything wrong. I do. <laughs> I wouldn't bet on that. Continuing with Nate's email, I will, however, add clarification by means of feedback if I think it is beneficial to the masses on the Google Plus page. Yes, we've seen you in there, uh, Nate. Thanks. I do like hearing your individual opinions of things, whether I agree or not, is irrelevant as it helps me to evaluate my options on the subject, either strengthening my position or causing me to reevaluate it. All that aside, I do like to provide help or assistance on some things Linux, specifically what I would consider an underserved community by various podcasts, OpenSUSE. You know what? I agree. OpenSUSE needs a little more love. Personally, I have found it to be a fantastic distribution and a community of users that gets very little praise for its sound technology base and super friendly and helpful community. So, I blather about it on my personal site as I try things and play around with Linuxy stuff. I do update the official OpenSUSE wikis too, as those are the official sources of help, but I can't put my opinions on there, so I leave it for my personal site. Everything is done from a positive angle, as I don't like negativity and think there is just too much of it. Feel free to look or not look. My focus in OpenSUSE, but not exclusively, www.cubiclenate.com. Once again, thanks for your show, and I would like to volunteer my services as an OpenSUSE minion for your fine podcast. Cheers, Nathan, Cubicle Nate. Well, Nate, thanks, and we'll take you up on that. Anything you want to You're contribute hired. on OpenSUSE as an opinion, feel free to send it in. 
And uh, we like audio stuff so that we can play it and so that we don't have to spend our time reading through it and having our listeners uh, hear Bill and me drone on. But uh, so if you can do something audio, great. If not, feel free to contribute however you like. Opinions welcome. Yes, always, always, always. If we get something wrong, let us know because occasionally I get things wrong and Larry never does. So anyway. Moving on, <laughs> Frank thinks that we are lost in the Buntu verse. On a recent show, Larry was talking about. On a recent show, Larry was talking about Devon and stated that the user should issue some commands as sudo and then some command. I feel constrained to point out that every distro I have ever used, except for Ubuntu and its derivatives does not share Ubuntu's creepy pseudo-fetisher. <laughs> okay. Does not have sudo configured out of the box. It asks for a root password at the time of install and expects users to use su to assume root privileges. It, if someone uses sudo on a non-Buntu, the following warning will appear. Frankly, I have not yet seen a convincing argument that sudo is somehow preferable to su su stands for super user for anybody that doesn't mm-hmm. know right. for assuming root privileges when i use a buntu i always set it so that i can use su which is quite easy to do just a minor nitpick keep up the good work okay well there you go that's one of the things that i got wrong thanks frank <laughs> um thanks yeah. frank yeah and SU has been around a lot longer than sudo, and that's the way in the olden days you had to do SU to get root privileges. Uh, not that get it's off bad. my lawn! <laughs> not, not that it's bad. It's just an alternative way of doing it. And mm-hmm. being a, a, a Ubuntu user um, for so long, uh, I tend to slip into assuming that everything works like Ubuntu. Uh, and that's wrong. So thanks, Frank. Thanks. Okay. Next is from Paul who commented, uh, hi, Larry and Bill. Thanks for putting my audio clip on the show. Well, thanks Paul for providing it. It was, as I remember, very good, clear audio. Yes, it was. It added to the show. I should have sent you this graphic and he includes a picture of his, um, hard drive setup, the partitions. This is the GParted breakdown of my partitions. I like to set up my machine so that the home partition can remain undisturbed when upgrading the OS to the next version. As you can see, my boot partition is about 300 megabytes with only 76 megabytes used and for the most part stays that way, except in the case I reported to you. Thanks again, Paul. So there you go. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Yep, it looks like he's got a... 20 gigabyte ext4 partition as root and his home partition is 205 gigabytes uh, on sda4 so yeah uh, and the boot partition is 300 megabytes not gigabytes yeah so it's it's fairly small it's ext2 for some reason hmm strange yeah that okay. is weird isn't it yeah huh. I wonder why he's using ext2. But yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah, let us know what the reason is, Paul. Because I mean, everything else looks really uh, good, but uh, just out of curiosity, why are you using ext2 for your boot partition? 
I, I got to go back and listen to his audio feedback again. Maybe uh, he mentions it in there. Okay. Know. So anyway, our next email comes from Peter, who commented on Paul's audio feedback. Hi, Larry and Bill. Running Linux Mint 19, I have a similar problem as Paul on an older system. I have had the same boot partition, EXT2, for a while. While I'm starting the system, I allocated 236 megabytes uh, for it, and it is mounted on uh, slash boot. The root partition is mounted on a LVM uh, VM under, of course, slash. Home is another LVM partition f now for the problem. The newer kernels, uh, 4.15, are around 8 megabytes plus 4 megabytes for the system map. Not a problem. The slash boot partition can accommodate several, but the INITRD image file is 56 megs or more for each kernel. If I have the active kernel plus a fallback kernel, I am unable to install another kernel. The installation will fail. I have to remove the fallback kernel first before I can install the newer version. And then he says math. <laughs> we'll skip over the math. <laughs> yeah, we're going to skip over the math. Math bad. Don't forget grub lives on the slash boot partition also, plus some miscellaneous stuff. I have left this as is, not a real problem for me, but if I needed to fix this, I would have to boot on a USB stick or CD and use Gparted to enlarge the partition, with fingers crossed. Peter. Hmm. Yeah, so, <laughs> again, maybe Linux Mint, when you use LVM, um, chooses yeah. EXT2 as the boot partition format. But be that as it may, uh, yeah, just looking at his math, it just shows that if you have uh, the partition of a certain size um, and you add more than two kernels into that partition area, you run out of space, which is exactly what Paul was seeing and obviously what Peter was seeing as well. So you can either, as Peter suggests, expand the boot partition and the size of it so that there's a little more space using Gparted. And, or you can simply uh, delete the old partitions, or excuse me, delete the old kernels before you uh, upgrade to a new kernel. So uh, fortunately, when you're using Linux Mint, they make that quite easy. Yep. Okay. Our next email is from Gord. And Gord corrected our terminology. Look, everybody is, you know, correcting us this, this time around. That's great. Uh, and we also had lots of mics. Yes, we did have a lot of mics this time around. Anyway, continuing yeah. with Gord's email. Boot is not root. Okay, I said it. I said it wrong. I admit it. My fault. I own it. Okay, moving on. Some Linux installations have a separate boot partition of a few hundred megabytes. Yes, megabytes. Over time, it fills up with old kernels. The best way to avoid this is to use Synaptic to remove old partitions. Auto-remove might also work. If Synaptic can't remove old kernels, you probably need to do a fresh install after making two backups of all your data, of course. If you choose do not format slash home, you probably will not need to restore your data. Warmest regards, Gord. Well, thanks, Gord. Thanks for correcting us. 
yeah, uh, sometimes I use boot when I should use root and vice versa. And uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Wait a minute. Just so I understand this. He said the best way to avoid this is use synaptic to remove old partitions. Do you think he means old kernels? Yeah. Did I say partitions? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. He wrote it down twice. And the first time he said partitions, he oh. meant kernels. His second time he said remove old kernels. I probably read it exactly as he wrote it. So, yeah, he means kernels, yep. remove the old kernels. Okay. So if you're using the Synaptic Package Manager, that's one way to do it. Uh, another way under Linux Mint is in the, I think it's in the updater, the software updater, uh, the update manager, you can remove old kernels there as well. Is that not right, Bill? Do you remember on Mint? Yeah, you can use Synaptic to remove old kernels, but Synaptic doesn't do anything to partitions that I know of. No, it doesn't it's, change the partitions yeah. at all. So yeah, you you can use Synaptic uh, to remove the old uh, kernels. So yeah, because yep. if you delete a partition, you're in trouble. As I've <laughs> yeah. done once or twice. Mm. Not that I would admit to that. Better personal experience, huh? Personal experience. Yep. Our next email comes from Mel, and and this one's for you, Larry, because this is about okay. Mate. Name okay. in the toolbar. Hi, Larry and Bill, and or Bill and Larry. Is there a way to add? <laughs> okay, uh, touche. Um, is there a way to add my username to the toolbar? I'm using Ubuntu Mate 16.04. I'm sure it must be a very simple thing, but I can't find it. Thanks in advance, and thanks for everything you do. Much appreciated. Ubuntu user since 2009. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think what he's referring to here is on some Linux distributions, there is a widget in the notification area that allows you to switch users or to power off or suspend, that sort of thing. And on Ubuntu Mate, uh, there is such an icon. It is at least in 18.04. It is the shape of a gear icon, like settings might be. And it allows mm -hmm. you to find information about the computer, go to Ubuntu Help, uh, system settings, and there's your name in that list. It doesn't show up because that particular icon isn't expanded when collapsed in the, uh, in the notification area. So some distributions use a different widget. Let me see if there's one of those... If I go to Add to Panel, Application Launcher, Global Application Menu. Nope, that doesn't work. I don't see anything out of the box here that would allow you to add something, an applet. I was calling it a widget, but it's an applet. Um, nope, I don't see one here. Perhaps there is one. Or perhaps you could go in there and change a configuration file and make it so that it, it works. We'll take some work to get that done. Uh, I know in earlier versions of Ubuntu Mate, you could go in and change um, what it says on the menu icon, um, depending on which layout you're using. You may be able to go in and change the word menu to your name but I don't think that's what you want. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't see anything readily how to do that in Ubuntu Mate, um, uh, short of switching to another 
Linux distribution, but not sure you want to do that. Sorry, Mel. Yeah. I can't help. I'm getting the links, man. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. Monte questions are always yours, Larry. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Okay. We have a gone Linux story from Michael. Uh, All right. He is, again, the blind guy gone Linux, using his words. Hi, Larry and Bill. Michael from West Yorkshire, the blind guy gone Linux. I, I texted the bus driver who knows me from the former Hudlug group saying I was going to take my laptop to the phone shop in Huddersfield bus station to try to get sighted assistance to help me boot Linux from a USB stick. He texted me back to say he would be in the cafe at 10.20 a.m. He arrived and looked at my laptop. At first, there seemed to be a problem booting, so he must have had to press the escape key before he could boot to my USB. He connected the laptop to the Cafe Express Wi-Fi, and after getting Orca running and turning up the speech volume as it was too low, we went through the installation of Ubuntu Mate. The system updated via the Wi-Fi connection, and I was eventually asked to either restart my computer or continue to use Ubuntu. There was no warning about removing my USB, but I took the stick out anyway before restarting my computer. The bus driver... Helping me, saw some error message about paging, a bad sign. He thought my computer might have a faulty hard drive. His friend, another bus driver who has no experience with Linux, was told to watch my computer to check if the same error message appeared or if escape had to be pressed before the laptop could be booted from the USB as the main person helping me had to return to work. The computer was restarted with the USB stick in the USB port. Again, the paging error came up after waiting for the login screen to appear. I suggested restarting the laptop again without the USB stick in the port. The man with me told me the screen went green, something I wouldn't know as I am blind. And he informed me that the computer was requiring my password. He put me in the password entry field. I typed in my password And to my joy, I got to my desktop and was able to navigate around my installed system. I have now gone totally Linux as I chose to wipe the hard drive and make it entirely Ubuntu Mate. The only issue I am having is that I can't find the list of available Wi-Fi networks for me to be able to choose my home connection. I found some Wi-Fi settings and add button only. It doesn't show the list of available networks. I tried Control-Alt-Tab from the desktop, which I thought focused on the network panel or whatever, only it didn't work. Does anyone know how to focus on where the internet connections are so I can pick my Wi-Fi network and also keep Orca running at the login screen? Well, (laughs) Michael, uh, congratulations on going 100% Linux. Um, Yeah, the... This is that same problem that others have had where there's no keyboard shortcut that takes you uh, and puts the focus on that notification area where the Wi-Fi connections are. I think, though, that if you open the control center, which is available from the menus, and you, um, let's see, when you open the control center, if you type, you're already focused into a search field, type network. Uh, and let's see, network or network connections is the one you want. Let me see which one it is. It's not network. Network connections. There we go. If you choose network connections, 
uh, it will give you a list of the available Wi-Fi networks that you have connected to. It doesn't give you all that are available, but in the bottom left corner of that window, and I'm using keyboard shortcuts here, if you hit tab and then enter, it will allow you to choose a connection type. This may be where you're going, and you can create a new connection. That doesn't help you. You're looking to just connect to an existing network. I see your problem. Hmm, how do we solve this? Let's solve the problem in, in a keyboard shortcut to get you to the notification area at the top. Huh. That, this accessibility stuff is tough. This is hard. Hard work okay, to get it right. Yeah. Wow. So I apologize that we aren't able to find you a, a solution. But again, if there's an Ubuntu Mate user who's a listener out there who knows how to do that with just keyboard shortcuts or perhaps even command line, We'd appreciate your help. That's that's our feedback for this time around, Bill. Lots of good stuff, huh? Good amount of feedback, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, our next episode, maybe we'll take a first shot at some of those business applications. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds like a, a good idea. We can get started with it, for sure. Yeah. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. For now, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux Podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.